Kelly, we, we are so excited to like have you here today. And this episode is going to be released a day after Mayor David Holt has announced that there will be a citywide Trans Day of Remembrance. Tell us about the, the history of Trans Day of Remembrance. Well, Alex, we didn't have an event uh, in Oklahoma City. And to me, Transgender Day of Remembrance is very special very uh, uh, important. And it just so happens that I had met the person who invented this day or created it. Her name is Gwen Smith. She lives in San Francisco. And uh, so when I realized this was in 2012, I realized that we actually didn't have one here in the city. And so, and I looked around and I looked around and uh, I contacted this international group, and we're on an international group of listings of places that have a transgender day of remembrance. And um, so the first thing I did when I realized, you know, I'm going to make this happen through the Gailey, uh, I contacted Pastor Neil, uh, Pastor Neil Kaufman from Expressions Church. And at the time, the Expressions Community Center that faced 39th. And I just knew he would let us uh, have it in his parking lot there because it was empowering to people who were planning to attend that they'd be right out there on the street. And uh, we had a prayer and we had some slam poetry by Paula Sophia. And uh, we lit candles, read everyone's name who we'd lost this year, that, that year. And it was really wonderful. And it just built up and built up. And, and uh, when Kelly started the Diversity Center, I think it was two or three years ago, he got very involved. And subsequently, I mean, this year, I've had some illness has really taken the bull by the horns and I'm so proud of for getting that proclamation from the mayor. So that's how it all began. Can you tell us a little bit about this holiday and why it's such a big deal to have this holiday in the middle of Oklahoma City? Yes, um, you know, I don't know if very many people realize um, the statistical rate um, that um, trans and gender diverse people experience um, uh, acts of violence or even um, uh, crimes, you know, violent crimes. Um, <clears throat> I did some research not long ago because I did a presentation up at OSU and the National Crime Victimization survey that started in 2016 um, really never um, collected data for sexual orientation or gender minorities until 2016. And in 2019, um, their survey showed that 71.1% of um, victimizations per thousand of people compared to 19.2 non-sexual orientation and gender minorities are 2.7 times more likely to be victimized 
um, by acts of violence compared to non-sexual and um, gender minorities. I think that's really significant um, when, you, when you think about it from that context. Uh, that our community um, has uh, uh, such a significant rate of being victimized, you know, and really our uh, folks of color are more likely to experience those acts of violence too. Mm-hmm. When you look at the folks that died over the past year of those, <clears throat> just in the United States around 50 people, uh, almost all of them were people of color. Uh, and that's so sad. And how do you think uh, this proclamation will kind of help create hopefully an open dialogue and more of a safe space for trans and gender nonconforming people in Oklahoma? I, I, think, um, I think maybe just being able to open that dialogue up um, and make it where um, we're able to talk about it more, you know, and in a, in a context where people feel comfortable talking about it. You know, um, if we don't have that space to feel free to talk about it, then we're not. By having that proclamation, it kind of allows us that freedom to talk about things more and to be more educated about it. Mm-hmm. And in general, um, based on your experience and what you've heard from others, is Oklahoma City in general a trans-friendly city, or are there still a lot of obstacles that trans people face in Oklahoma City? Oh, that's a that's a tough one. You know, I think we've grown a whole lot um, over the years. We really have, uh, but I still think that there's a lot of barriers that um, we still um, need to overcome. Um, it's hard for our folks with employment. Um, it's still difficult when it comes to housing, um, access to health care. Um, there's um, folks that have challenges when they go to school uh, with bullying. Um, uh, we still have domestic violence issues and substance abuse issues. So there are still lots of barriers that we're still trying to overcome. And can I say something? Can I add something to that, Kelly? And not to single anybody out, but I know in Oklahoma City within the LGBTQ plus community, the transgender portion of our community, we should be welcoming and loving, really uh, get some discrimination from our own community. Absolutely, Robin. I kind of wanted to call that out. If you want to elaborate on it, that's fine. I'm sure you probably know more about it than I do, but. We do. Um, And, you know, I I find that so ironic um, because historically, uh, the movement within our LGBT community started out with trans people of color. And, they started advocating for uh, LGBT rights. It was trans women um, that started that movement. And the discrimination that we see sometimes within our own community really is shocking sometimes and sad. 
um, that <clears throat> that our trans folks don't get that support. And um, we we see a lot of discrimination when it comes to to ethnicity. Um, and it's really a, a shame because we do have such a beautiful array of color within our community um, that we can learn from each other. You know, we have Latino folks, we have Native American folks, we have African American people, we have Asian uh, folks in our community and embracing all those different um, people um, really can enhance our community so much. Mm -hmm. And when, when we talk about these issues, I know that, um, you know, the organization that you work for has communicated with David Holt. In general, when you talk to Oklahoma politicians and, you know, city officials about LGBT and trans issues, what, what is their response? Are they usually open to understanding and learning about experiences different than theirs? You know, I think um, we have... Um, had some really good response and support. Uh, we're also um, extremely um, fortunate in our community to have members of our own community in politics now. Um, and, you know, like James Cooper and Mari Turner and different ones like that, that and um, organizations like Freedom Oklahoma and the Equality Center that are very active in advocating for us, um, which has made those things so much easier uh, for us to have more rights. Um, and having these significant people um, in government positions um, that are out there fighting for us directly uh, and so we're very fortunate to have that. Mm -hmm. And um, I want to hear about your experience working at the Diversity Center. Um, what are, so you, you are a counselor, right? Mm -hmm. I'm what a gender therapist. What are some uh, common issues that your clients face as trans and queer people in Oklahoma? Oh, you know, I think, um, some things that our, our folks really encounter are um, past traumas um, from, um, you know, not being accepted as a child growing up, um, that internal conflict, um, uh, not having support from family members um, as they were growing up, but also current a uh, lack of support from family, um, isolation, um, well, especially right now during COVID having issues of isolation. Um, but uh, a lot has to do with um, family. Um, yeah. A lot are struggling with employment issues, um, not being able to um, get the kind of jobs that are supportive of their gender. Um, and a lot of people don't understand that. That's um, if, um, say, they are doing customer service and their voice doesn't necessarily um, match the gender that they are, they identify with, those things can be very stressful. Um, and so, 
um, those are some of the issues that we face sometimes. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes if they are wanting to have gender um, confirmation surgery and they can't afford those things or they're working towards those things, um, that can be a frustration as well. Yeah, I mean, it's such a journey for LGBT people. And, you know, as a, as a gay man, I feel like I'm just now understanding what it is to have, you know, trauma from a family that didn't originally accept you. I, I just read, I don't know if you know the book, The Velvet Rage, kind of like, it's, it, yes, yes, exactly. And it explains just kind of why uh, gay men in, in general, not all gay men, obviously, have the sense of like being, you know, not satisfied with life, always trying to overachieve. And it all kind of dwindles down to this shame-based trauma, which makes us work harder to make us feel more like valued as an asset to our community. And that's why I think it's so important that, you know, you're bringing up these issues because, you know, gay people, trans people, we all have an important part of society. And it's so crucial that you guys are doing this work. And I, like, I'm just curious, like how, how that conversation start with the mayor? How did, what, how that started originally? Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, uh, I haven't had a lot of direct conversations with him as much as I have been working with JD, uh, which is um, the liaison with the mayor. You know, the mayor has been to the center a few times, which I'm very um, fortunate to um, that he has been there to the center and he's seen the things that we've done uh, and what what kind of programs that we have. Uh, so he is familiar with our mission um, and he um, works with James Cooper and so we have direct influence in those ways. So uh, he's very uh, aware of the overall mission of what we're doing there at the center. So um, uh, I think that has been uh, uh, on his radar. So for the past couple of years, um, those things, um, whenever I see him at different functions, I remind him, hey, this is what we're doing at the center. Um, and so trying to build onto that over the past couple of years um, has been something uh, of an effort. And last year when I proposed this, I guess I did not propose it quick enough. And he said, make sure to uh, come back to us earlier next year. And so I told Robin, I said, oh, we're definitely going to make sure that uh, we, we send this in earlier. And so I was so uh, thankful that uh, we were able to make contact with the mayor's office and um, they sent back um, very readily uh, that they were um, more than happy to oblige us with our request for that proclamation. So I was very thankful that they they were interested in um, helping us out this year. What, Proud what, of you, that, Kelly. Kudos yeah. to you. That's something well, I, we started this thing 12 years ago, or in 2012. Uh, I would have never, ever, ever dreamed we could have gotten that kind of support from our city officials. So. Good for you. Well, thank you, Robin. But, you know, Robin, um, you know, you're having a consistent presence in the community um, is what really has made that happen for us. 
uh, if we hadn't had that consistency in the community, um, that would make that very difficult for us to have that. And so having that over the past seven to nine Thank years yeah. has made that where we were able to uh, accomplish that with the mayor. You know, having a solid foundation really okay. makes that helpful. Oh, that's great. Teamwork. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It does. It really, you have to have a community um, and everyone involved uh, to make things like this happen. And I think that a lot of people don't think about that. Everyone is involved in things like this. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm curious, what do you think the reaction will be, especially from people who aren't really familiar with trans issues? I mean, for, for the viewers who don't know, you know, Mayor Holt is a Republican and we are in the Bible Belt in Trump country. So I feel like this could really open up some eyes for some people, you know? Um, what do you think, Robin? Here's <laughs> what I think. I think the young trans kid who's watching this on live stream or he ha happens to sneak out of the house to get down the there to the diversity center tomorrow evening, I think that's where we're gonna see the difference. I think we're gonna see more confident kids and maybe we might see a few less suicides in this community. Suicide is so prevalent, not only in the queer community in general, but then it's even higher when you subset our groups uh, in the transgender community, so. Yeah, I agree. I think for a lot of uh, folks, it gives them hope. I think that it will also give parents hope um, for their children, um, for family members, um, not just our trans community, because I think um, when they hear this video tomorrow night is my hope, is that it gives them hope uh, that there is change that is coming. Because um, for a long time, I think that we've just really, um, it makes me careful to think about, um, that, that we are human, that we have rights. You know, and that maybe, like you said, Robin, that we can save some people. Yeah. Or even just a life of depression and, and, and just being miserable and, you know, feeling like they're just living a futile life. I mean, all of us Absolutely. are a vibrant part of the community and the world at large. So it, this is a part of um, a, a part of transition in itself. It's a community, a communal transition. Um, for us to get this proclamation, if that makes sense to people, um, to cisgender people, it is a part of tr a transition for us. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I, I feel for that trans kid who's going to watch this, who's in the closet, who wants to make that transition, is so scared and has heard, you know, horrible things about trans people from their parents, and they're, they're going to be able to see that, like, oh wait, trans people deserve dignity and respect, mm -hmm. and no matter what they might, the, their situation might say, the reality is, is that they will always, you know, deserve that dignity and quality of life that everyone deserves. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm so excited about this and I, I can't wait to see what's to come of it. And hopefully more good things will come and I'm 
so happy to even talk to you, Kelly. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate um, all that you do. And um, the Galias, um, we like having the Galia there at the center and people just come in just to pick up the Galia. Um, and take it with them. I've um, when sometimes I've sat up at the front desk. Um, people will just come in and they're like, I, "I'm just here to get a paper," and they walk <laughs> out. So um, I love to hear that, Kelly. Yes, absolutely. So um, uh, you know, people um, look to um, get updates about our community that way. That's why local media is so important. Local queer media is important. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I ditto that. Yeah. <laughs>